Hello and welcome back to the Knowledge Panel Show. This is episode 33 and today we will be talking about using AI to generate content. So without further ado, I would love to introduce you to my lovely guests. We have AJ, Nadia and Julia. Um, I'm going to get them to introduce themselves a little bit. So um, if you don't mind, AJ, we'll start with you. Um, who are you? What perspective do you have on uh, using AI to generate content? And yeah, what do you think uh, we could be looking at most today? Yeah, um, AJ Gergich, longtime SEO. Um, I am coming from Botify. I am the uh, VP of Consulting Services there. So enterprise, Botify Enterprise Crawler for SEO, if you're if you're unfamiliar. Um, so yeah, my perspective is is going to be hawkish i'm bullish i'm i'm happy about uh ai and uh and, and seo we can talk a little bit about some of the pitfalls but i i, I want to look more at the what can we gain from this uh, than what do we have to lose so that's tends to be the perspective uh that that i'll have today brilliant um nadia hey um i'm nadia i'm the head of content and organic growth at a company called sunnyside where um in the d2c space it's a mindful drinking app predominantly so I head up a lot of the content um, for like the blog content, um, website optimization, that kind of thing. Uh, but we also have an actual app. Um, but prior to that, I was just to head growth at Bengage. Um, we were infographic product, um, basically used SEO to scale uh, entirely. Um, and my main interest in the topic is a lot of like cutting out the granularity because um, I'm in the startup space and typically have myself to rely on so um or a really small team so like using different functions like chat gpt um to just kind of ideate the content process is a lot of where i'm using it um and it's been really helpful in cutting down a lot of the fat brilliant thank you and last but not least julia Hey, hey, I'm Julia McCoy. So my background is writing primarily for SEO, inbound marketing, ran a writing agency, grew it myself, started it at 19 years old, sold it at 10 years later for a nice seven figure exit. So it's always been organic and inbound. Like how do we hit the top of Google? How do we do that over and over for tons of different keyword phrases, clients in all niches? So I got to see what worked. And then when AI came on the scene, you know, a couple of years ago, I was studying it and I was like, not that impressed. Mm -hmm. And I got to say in the last 12 months, I've been blown away by what's possible so much so that I left human only writing and now I work for an AI writer. Mm -hmm. So it's been said in the space, I went from hating on AI to now, you know, completely the opposite because that kind of happened because the technology is here now. So I'm not afraid to say like, you know, it's time to leave the hate and the snobby, I call it the snobby writer syndrome because I was that I was like, I am better than AI. But the truth is like, we're not right. What AJ was saying, like we're at a place where this is truly going to supersede a lot of human functionality. So now I work at content at scale, which is the fastest growing AI writer for SEO content. And we're doing about 40 million words a month, crazy stuff. So really honored to be here with you all speaking about this very important topic. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Julia. Yeah, I think what you touched on there is just like, I think we're going to do a big deep dive into the possibilities of AI. And that's really exciting, um, as opposed to the the sort of debates around uh, whether it's useful or not. I think we're all on the same page here that it's pretty useful. Um, so I'm just going to throw out a pretty broad question um, to start off with. So what is AI in the context of SEO right now? So why are we all obsessed with it at the minute? 
you can be as broad, as technical as uh, as anything as you like here. Um, I just want to introduce anybody who maybe isn't so familiar with AI and SEO um, to, to what we're really talking about. So that's a great question. You know, and I think the conversation has been a lot of worry. Will, will Google detect this and then derank it, penalize it? Because in April of 2022, they actually said in the Webmaster Guidelines, do not create content with AI. It's against our guidelines. And then in September and October, we have Danny Sullivan, the liaison at Google, saying pretty much the opposite. Oh, we were never against it. Mm, okay. So then they revised their guidelines to actually say it's spam that you can't produce. So you can use AI, in other words. So the conversation has been can I really do that? Because Google kind of flip-flopped there. But the truth is like you can, right? And we're seeing it firsthand. Like you can rely on AI to save, oh my gosh, you know, we had an agency that said they're saving 25X on their cost and time from going from a very expensive writing agency to we can now produce a 2,500 word blog in literally two minutes. And it needs 30 minutes of editing. Like that used to take eight hours. Mm. So it's like, why not adapt when that's here? So first of all, like you have permission to do this, know that because it's a thing. (laughs) And I don't think Google will penalize you just for making AI something you put in your process. But the thing is you have to optimize it, right? And so that's a still, that is still a human process. Like you don't need to fire all your writers just yet, like reroute them, have them become optimizers. That's a big topic for us is like, how do they become optimizers, put a story in there, create it more human-like. So that's what we see happening with AI in SEO. Yeah. The, what, you're, what you're mainly seeing when we say, I mean, there's AI is a broad blanket. Um, what, we're, what you're seeing the explosion of is what is called LLMs, so large language models. Um, so chat G- GPT, um, the Bing chat, all, all of that, that's all LLMs. If you break it all the way down here's what's actually happening it's gotten really really good at predicting the very next word in a sentence or uh, a conversation and that's it full stop and so when you're talking to these you're not talking to like a sentient you know artificial intelligence you're like what do you think about blah 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 it's literally predicting the very next letter word in a sentence think about it this way You've been using this technology all along with texting, right? Where it like predicts that you're like, <laughs> thank you very much, right? Like, you know, like you send text. It's just gotten so much exponentially better that the technology has gone from somewhat useful in email like Gmail or somewhat useful in texting to being able to produce a novel, right? Uh, that That is cogent and, and makes sense. It's eerily feels like you're speaking to or talking to a human when you chat with these because that's how your brain is actually doing it too you just are the the computations are happening so fast you don't think it through so while i'm talking right now some some hamsters running around in my head and it's deciding the very next word the letter that i should put and so when something parrots that behavior back to you it feels human it feels real because it's literally how you construct speech so LLMs are one, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. You've seen this technology before with text, with email, 
It's just now to Julia's point in the last year, remember AI is exponential technology. Exponential technology is hard for humans to grasp because we think linear. So this explosion to us is like, whoa, what happened? But what's going to happen is a lot of these are version ones to version three or four. What's version eight going to look like? And many of them are less than a year old. So this this potential that we're talking about isn't just this is baked. You should use it. How is it today? It's what's happening now is great. But what's going to happen in two years when all of this goes from, wow, that was really helpful to help me sort of text my mom back without writing a whole thing to I just wrote my first novel with the assistance of AI in, you know, uh, six months from now, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. And I guess one of one just adding to what you're saying, um, one of the thoughts is for SEOs, or at least myself, is figuring out how much content is going to become too much content. Like, are we going to get to a point where we're just creating so much stuff that no one's actually consuming it? Or are we going to create content for other AI bots to create content? Um, I think that's kind of like where my head goes all the time. Where everyone's pointing at each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that meme of everyone, um, all the Spider-Mans. But um, yeah, and that's like one of the the areas that I think is a little bit scary, but also really interesting. Um, and part of, I think, how we use AI as content and SEO people is getting really good at not forgetting that we're writing for people at the end of the day and trying to get and making sure that that tone and that storytelling comes across, which I think potentially is going to happen in the next few years is they're going to get really good at, you know, humor and just nuance and subtlety. Um, but for now, that's our domain. So Yeah, I absolutely agree with yeah everything that's just gone on there. Um, particularly loving the um, nod to sort of the cognitive mechanisms that we we as humans go through. It's it's a very human process that it's trying to mimic, and um, I think it's really important to remember that that it's trying to be as good as you. So yeah, it's great to to have that as almost like the starting point. So um, my next question is going to be: Does unadulterated AI content? So I'm just using that as a way to say unedited, completely just pure AI content, does it rank? I know this is an opportunity to someone say, to say it depends and I, please take it away in that sense. It's a huge question, but I think it's a really interesting thing to start with because um, that's, I mean, that's the worry that people are having really, isn't it? So um, if somebody could offer their uh, perspective on does it rank? Can it rank? Is it possible? I'll jump in on that. Um, I find most most conversations that start with unadulterated to to end poorly, uh, but, but in this case, I'm going to give it a go. Uh, yeah, the answer is yes, but um, the the uh, caveat is for how long. Uh, so I don't get too wound up about you know when this first came out. I knew I know some people who were working on AI detection models. So they spent, they're spending all this time and energy. And I'm like, hey, you're, that's brilliant. You're brilliant, but it's the wrong thing to worry about. Who cares if AI aided in the assistance of the content? You're solving the wrong problem. The problem to be solved is, is it any good? Is this quality? And so when you're thinking about this, I think the answer is absolutely, you can spin out a bunch of AI content, it can be mediocre content, and it'll rank. 
right up until Google gets really good at squashing mediocre content. And so the the what you're striving for is in a world where everyone gets access to tools like like you know Julie's working with a software tool. Okay, that's good and bad for you because now your crappy competitor can actually start to compete, right? And if they're going to compete and everybody's creating, you know, this, like I said, the Spider-Man effect, they're all pointing at each other. How are you going to make yours that much better? And so the, the, you've got to get really, really discerning about what is quality content, because my prediction is Google will do the same thing that it's always done. Remember when backlinks were the big issue and Google came out with this whole thing, we're going to penalize backlinks and we want to, we've created this narc on your neighbor program where you can submit the backlinks and, and disavow them and all this kind of like, come on. Right. But then what did they actually do? They rolled that back and they said, my bad, here's what we're going to do now. We're just going to detect if it's a quality link or not and give you credit or not give you credit. Same thing's going to happen with content. There's going to be, uh, AI content. There'll be some moment where they penalize a bunch of like content farms and really, really spammy, dicey stuff. My guess is it'll be in healthcare or finance because those are more dangerous areas to to have non-factual content. It could actually harm someone in healthcare. Um, my guess is you'll see that. But the whole shooting match, think ahead, think ahead. Where are we going? Where we're going is what is quality content? Because you could get down that rabbit hole. I could argue to you today that the content for the past year has been AI generated because most of it's going through a tool like Grammarly and it's rearranging sentences and reminding you and tweaking things. That was okay, right? Because that's not the point. That's not the thing we're shooting for. The thing we're shooting for is what is quality content? Really good quality content. And you need to be aces at that. If you do that, you're set for the future. Because that's what the user wants. And to piggyback off of that, great points, AJ. You know, I think uh, you're calling us out because we have a free AI detector at continent scale. <laughs> but you're right. And we just talked no, about this. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be an issue. Is this written by AI or not? And I think, and Nadia was just saying this as well, um, the focus really is human. Is this human? And that's something our AI detector does is we actually focus on, is this 100% human or not? Not Is it by AI? So if you can create quality content, and that's the question we've been asking for a decade, right? Like I was asking that in 2011, what is quality content? We're still asking that today. So it's really that human touch. And, you know, I was looking at a 5,000 word pillar yesterday on how to arrange your quilts. You know, this is for a lady that owns a quilt shop trying to rank in the top of Google. And she went to her warehouse, collected like the top selling quilts, went to her kid's house, framed those quilts in different areas, took individual pictures. And that was the basis of her listicle. And then she went and got the content through our AI tool. So she saved like six hours. You know, she didn't have to research the SERPs. She didn't have to put together the structure. It was all there by the AI writer. But then she really humanized it with those pictures of quilts and then going to her kid's house and framing them and doing individual things. Like that's something a robot can never do. You know, it's never going to like go to your warehouse and tell your customer, this is the best product for you. And here's why. And here's how my grandkids enjoy it. So that's really where I think we're going to continue to win is that human touch. And that's why like <clears throat> even working for an AI writer, 
one of my focuses is teaching people how to embed the human touch. And so I have a framework called craft where you cut the fluff, you review, you edit, you add content to make it better. You fact check. That's a big part because, you know, OpenAI says there's no basis of truth. So you got to fact check. And then the last part is trust build. And that's going to be with story. So that I don't think will ever go out of style. Eventually we'll be able to remove a lot of human manual work as GPT gets better and better and better. But that last touch of the human touch, whether it's you going to your shop, getting pictures or going to a customer, getting some crazy story about how you help them, like that's just never going to be replaced by AI. And the engagement factor afterwards, you know, of engaging with our audience personally. So that's where like, I don't see AI actually removing the human, I see it rerouting the human, right? And that speaks to a lot of people that are afraid, like, is my job going to go away? Will I still be able to write for an income? Well, you are, you can, but you have to rethink how you do it. Absolutely. And and to your point, like, so it, if you think about that AI detection um, and not backtracking on my statement, I stand by my original statement, but think of think of it this way. What if, what if you're using an AI detector to just detect vanilla effort? Right. Like this is stock canned yes. vanilla suffering without that human touch, without what you just everything you just said. And so remember, if you if you're going to go with that, your competitor can do that, too. So you've got to do what Julia just said. Go that extra mile. Humanize it. Make it make it punch. Right. And then you're going to be set up for success in the future because you've actually generated great content instead of good content. Right. Like. Good just is going to become average when you, everybody has access to these tools to make content at scale. Good won't be good enough, right? You're going to have to go that extra mile. So I like I like that point. Yeah, and I think um, also you, you brought up a point about storytelling, right? And I think the the angle of storytelling it comes from like you said, going and actually showing that in the real world process of collecting all those quilts, um, but other things too, like. Um, just the data around what your product might collect, right? Like having actual credible information um, that you're continuing to put out, creating more sources that other people can use or other AIs can reference for their content. Um, those are all things that I think can, will continue to exist. And I think to your point, yeah, I had the same note where I was just like, yes, but for how long? Um, because Google always comes through like the eye of Sauron scoping out when people are using the rings of AI um, and, it will, and it will find you, right? Gryffindor for that reference right there. That was solid. Five points for Gryffindor. Thank you. <laughs> Different. I'm really um, interested in all of everything that's been talked about here. So I think we're all pretty much on the same page of yes, but for how long? Um, and the the element of human human touch is seems like a non-negotiable aspect of this conversation so i guess just to be um to roll off on that um how are we adding this human touch what what tips tricks what are you guys doing to either prompt ai to write I don't know if you can make it right more human if this is um, the, the right way to say it, because obviously it's not human. Um, what should we be doing when we approach it at the very beginning? I can take the lead on this one. So something we're doing is, um, and what we focus on is SEO at scale, right? So that's primarily what we're in the mix of. So what we're seeing is a lot of agencies, teams, brands are coming to us and they're like, 
can we just use consonant scale and AI writer and then let our writer go? And we're like, hold up, wait, wait, no, you can't. So here's what we tell them, have that writer be the one that's adding story. And the way to do that is to give that writer access to your AI writer, have them play with it, get familiar with it. You know, a lot of writers are actually being told right now, like, don't use AI. Some of them are banned from it by their boss or different companies. Learned that the other week. That blew my mind. So if you actually give your writer permission, like, here's the tool, here's the login, go use it. You know, the writer will not fear it anymore and be able to get their hands on it. But like your best asset is actually that writer and what they do with that content. So once they're in the AI tool, they're producing this long form content, which if you're using our tool, like it's two minutes and it's 2,500 words up to 7,000 words that alone, like that saved my writer seven hours. So she went from seven hours down to one, but what she's doing is she's going in there and adding like at least it's those five critical things. So the first thing she's doing is editing. Like we're redlining it. We are being ruthless. You know, it's the same problem we had with human writers still having it today with AI is fluff. You know, it writes a lot of fluff and you got to cut that to get to the gold. So that's the first thing they're doing is being a really good editor. And then the next part is optimizing and reviewing that content. So do we, did we use our keywords enough? Do we use it in creative ways? Is it there in the subheaders? You know, the tools are getting really good at doing that for you, but they're still not exactly human at it. And you can kind of tell, like it just, I was reading a sentence and the sentence didn't even start correctly. It just was lowercase with the keywords. So you have to even make sure the keywords are used in a human way. And then the next part is adding a lot of visuals. So I'm sure Nadia, you at Vengage, right? You were doing infographics like that adds so much value. If you go and get a designer, you have them create custom images, or you actually go and build your own data graphs, or maybe get a screenshot from you know, a benchmark study. So having a writer go and source all of that or say, hey, designer, I need this, and they can direct that designer, that goes a long way in adding that human touch. And then like you want them to also fact check. You want them to like Google that fact, Google that statistic, if it's like the history of SEO. Did the AI actually tell us the history of SEO or did they just BS? Like, AJ, your bio might be completely BS. I've seen that happen. AJ created ChatGPT like that bad. (laughs) I read that the other day. It said a LinkedIn influencer created ChatGPT. So you really want to double check your facts. And again, like that's your writer. That's your best asset is that writer using that AI. And then the last part is that story and trust. Like that's where you want your writer to end. Is there story? Are we including testimonials, case studies? Are we even mentioning our story? If this is a piece where, you know, like the lady that was doing the quilt shop, like she needs to tell her story. How did she get to her love of quilts? Well, that the reader will want to know that because the reader's already interested in this topic. So bring in your story like more than ever, because that's when you know this isn't AI content. This is written by a human, even if you did use AI to save seven hours. So Transforming your writer into an AI editor slash optimizer is a huge way to get past, okay, this is AI and it's not that good, to this is good content and it's ready to publish. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think to that point, like just adding on how I've used, I've been using it because I don't write a lot of content necessarily, but there's a couple points um, AJ mentioned before, like there's a challenge for people in the healthcare space and the wellness space. Um, and 
we're in that space, like Sunnyside talks about alcohol health a lot. And so we need to be really careful because we're talking about how does this impact your heart, your lungs, like your mind, your liver, stuff like that. And so we actually have um, a really good review process now with medical advisors that can come in and read it and actually fact check for us and add those little quotes or those little data pieces that really draw or, or make a point to acknowledge that credibility. Um, so those are like other ways that you can kind of tap into the space in the same way. Um, it might just take a little bit more time. And then the other part is we also have access to a lot of, um, you know, anonymous data on how people consume alcohol. Um, and so that kind of stuff becomes really interesting for like press um, and content that we're creating around that visuals, whatever, adding that, um, that again, going back to new source data or like new information that no one really has access to. So if you have anything like that, that you can use to um, add to the content you're working on, um, that, that can be really, really helpful and keep it human and keep it real. Um, but also there's so many potentials for using it in on the process, right? Like what are parts of your, what does your funnel look like when you're creating content from ideation to promotion, right? How are you, what, what pieces can you actually cut out that AI can do for you? Um, and one of the things I'll do is I'll like literally just list out my entire process, like, like minute by minute just to figure out what am I doing to get to this point? Um, and then kind of road mapping it or making a timeline of that. And then I'll just figure out what I can, what chunks I can remove um, using AI. And that can cut down like a lot of time as well. So it doesn't necessarily just need to write the content for you, but it can help almost act as a glorified virtual assistant, right? In, in your process. A hundred thousand percent. That That's exactly, that's, that, that's my advice to most people listening to this. Um, so I uh, previously... Uh, two two sauce back. I, I owned a boutique content um, uh, SEO content strategy agency, uh, and it was acquired. So it's kind of funny because Julie and I have similar path, and we're both sitting here going AI content. Like you would think we like we only did human content. Very you know picky about our editors and process and everything. True, true. So, yeah, th this is how I approach it, and I think you can copy this. So. Um, we were talking before we came on, there's two, two main issues that you need to understand. One, very likely you're getting a bad result because you're not chaining your prompts and you're just asking for too much in one shot. And the second is long-term memory. Um, they, they, these tools don't have it. And we could talk about that in a second, but let's just go back to what, what Nadia was just saying, like this, I'll give you the breakdown of how I would approach a topic. So I just pulled up while we're talking, actually, uh, a piece of content, I'll change the topic. Um, so I would go to chat GPT and I would start off explaining what I call the situation, um, like the MTV, old, old character from MTV. So I would say, um, you're a human resource manager, you're struggling uh, because of the economy, but you have, um, you know, uh, physical signs of employee burnout all around, you know, all these different things. And essentially I write out this paragraph or two explaining that, you know, as an HR manager, this person just is balancing the needs of employees with a lot of stress with management who's under economic stress, right? And so I, I explain the situation of what type of um, environment I'm gonna write this piece of content in. And then I start, and just like you were saying, it's all process. So the first thing I would do is say, 
brainstorm, you know, a list of 10 uh, provocative questions that would be weighing on your mind if you were in this situation. Okay. Then I get that and I would say brainstorm six actions that you could take as an HR manager that would balance the needs of all needs presented in the situation. Then I go down and say, okay, give me three pros and three cons that would be considered when you're addressing that situation. And then I would ask 10 questions that would be on the mind of someone in that situation. And then I would ask for five headlines um, to be written. And then I would ask for 10 titles written in New York style, uh, New York Times style uh, to be written. And then actually you can use AI. It's interesting. So like AI gives you those 10 titles. You can say, pick which one is the most engaging and tell me why. And then it will. <laughs> and so what you need to do is break your process down. When, when, when we're writing an article, there might be like a 75 step if you really get, it's kind of like that example of how to build a sandwich. And then you realize you didn't tell someone to uh, unscrew the peanut butter, you know, jar or whatever, right? And so you're like, oh, I missed a step. Go that level of anal approach, step by step by step by step. And you then, once you then automate that, which is what a lot of these tools are actually doing, they're taking a lot of those steps for you and automated because they've done the work behind the scenes. Um, but taking that process, you can get, even if you never write an actual word with the AI, you can hand a writer the most beautifully researched, well thought out, here's what you should write about, here's the pros and the cons, here's the moral issues, here's um, things you should check on, here's questions that are on their mind, like this cheat sheet to writing a fantastic piece. Now, of course, you can take it a step further and actually have it write the content and the modules and give suggestions, but process, like you were saying, is amazing is amazing way to get started with ai and uh that type of prompt chaining chaining a prompt chaining a prompt chaining a prompt will lead to so much better out uh output and outcomes for you than just running in there and going hey i'm writing an article for hr uh can you write me one that talks about burnout do the chaining and you're going to be in a much better situation unless you're using a tool that's already kind of doing that in the background. Yeah, brilliant. So I kind of what I'm getting from this um, personally is actually a perspective change on how we need to be approaching AI, which I think is a really interesting thing. So both um, AJ and Nadia talking about making it far more granular. So I think actually it's it's a lot more effort. It's a skill in itself to be able to write content or create these prompts with AI. Um, and, and just like stopping yourself from going, okay, we want to write just a whole thing about this. The prompting needs to be so granular. And um, yeah, I can, I can see exactly where you guys are all coming from here, um, which is really cool. Um, so I guess, well, in terms of um, pros and cons. We'll just go for really um, basic kind of pros and cons here in terms of the context of SEO and AI. Um, I know we've already touched a lot, especially Julia, on, on the human touch aspect, and that's the, the cons that we just can't get, get over. But do the pros outweigh the cons a million percent? Is there even a debate here anymore? Or are we 100% all on board? Well, yeah, look, no, the pros far outweigh the cons. Uh, it's not, it's not, it's 
not even close. And uh, like I said, don't think like a human. It, it, a lot of this came out in the summer of last year. And here we are. <laughs> so summer of last year, a lot of the, the large language models came out. And then fast forward today, we're now talking about Bing because Bing is using this technology. Like what, what kind of alternate universe are we in, right? And so what do you think is going to happen in two years? So you, can, you cannot stick your head in the sand here and be like, mm, I bet this goes away. No, you will go away, but it won't. And so the pros far, far outweigh the cons. The main con that I run into right now, though, we talked about this um, right before the call, right before going live, is the issue of long-term memory. It's an issue that's going to get solved probably in the next six months. Um, but when you're most of the large language models are trained and you're talking to somebody like, like you pulled a human through a portal and you're talking to them from 2020 or 2021. And so as soon as you start talking about a fact today, it has no idea. It literally just came through the time portal because that's when it was trained. So think of these large language models as a stock vanilla smart human. So if you ask a stock vanilla smart human, uh, why is the sky blue in like really good detail? Tell me they're not just ask somebody today. They won't be able to tell you. They'll be like, I don't really know if I really think about it. Right. But if you gave them 20 minutes to research it, an hour, three hours, seven days, they could come back with an amazing presentation on why the sky is blue with facts and figures. It's just that the AI can do all of that in milliseconds if you solve for the long-term memory. So what we've been doing is uh, injecting facts into our prompts. So know that you're talking to a time traveler from 2020. Right. When you're when you're talking to chat, GDP. so I'm talking to the time traveler. They have no idea. And especially I ran into this in health and life sciences. So what you do is you can use uh, tools like, you know, um, well, I won't even say it doesn't matter the tool, but you can scrape content that is quality content with your favorite scraping tool. Let's just say that. Um, so we would inject, if we were talking about diabetes, we would inject the top articles from Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, um, all uh, gov, gov, you know, studies. And so what we would do is take and create a resource library inside of that prompt. So we would say something like, hey, you're a diabetes chatbot. Now here's your resource library that we're injecting bits of content and facts based upon the query or the question about diabetes from a trusted source. So now you have blank human put in from 2020 that maybe even doesn't know as much about uh, diabetes, but you're giving them quality information from relevant cited sources. Now the output is a game changer. I was able to work on this and do actually a, a chatbot for diabetes that was really, really damn good because every question it would query and insert um, data. And you'll notice if you talk with Bing's chatbot, it does this. If it doesn't know the answer, it holds for a second and then queries and pulls in data. What it's basically doing is an injecting stats into its, its prompt. Um, and so you can mimic this behavior quite easily. So you can take your field. So if you were in quilting or whatever, um, I have no idea, but I'm assuming there's certain types of um, instruments or, you know, sewing techniques or procedures that 
if you inject that into the prompt in the resource, create a resource library. And when I say resource library, you just tell it it's a resource library and put little uh, little blockers and like, here's my facts. Like, this is what this actually means. Watch the content that comes out the other end. It, it'll be amazing. It'll, it'll, it'll blow you away. But it doesn't have long-term memory, like Dory from Finding Nemo. It doesn't have that. And so if you try to just keep talking to it like it's an expert at everything, it is not. So right now you have to inject the facts. In the future, it'll be easier to do that. But those are my main two things that I've learned. Chain your prompts. Don't trust it with really factual information, especially around health and life sciences or finance, especially if you're not injecting quality data so it gets smart quick about the topic. Uh, otherwise, you're you're going to you're going to get garbage out. And I can back that up. You know, the biggest con for us is definitely facts along with story. Like those two things, they're just they're not there. You know, it's writing or creating things based on data points that it knows. So that's honestly the con, right? It doesn't know like how a human thinks. It doesn't know a creative story offhand. Like if we're writing a blog and it's going on the Content Hacker blog, I'm going to be making Lord of the Ring references. And that might not automatically occur in that piece that AI spits out. So my writer is going to do that. You know, I'm going to do that. So those two things for us are the biggest con. You have to fact check and you have to add story, personal touch, personal tone. It's just not there. I think the personal touch will be really hard. Although like Nadia was saying, one day we might even be there as well because of how nuanced this is going to get. But right now, we're definitely not there. So back to your question, Jeannie, you know, too, of unadulterated content. That's why I think maybe it'll rank, but later on it might not. You might get penalized. You know, as Google gets smarter, gets ahead of, okay, this isn't quality content. This does read more like spam. So those are definitely the cons. But to me, those are also, I think, a lot of security for people that are worried about losing their job. You won't. If you adapt, and that's what you're looking for now, but you're just not spending 10 hours on the brunt work that now AI can completely replace because we are there too. And that's the pro. The pro is time savings and cost savings. Like you can create a highly profitable writing agency now, the one I sold, AJ, you know this. And if your baseline is AI, oh my gosh, like your profit margin, that AI won't disappear on you. They won't go MIA. They're going to show up every day. Like that's hard with on the human alone. So time and money, like you're going to save so much. And that's why I'm telling people like run to this, test it out for yourself, put it in your business. It could completely change how you do business. Absolutely. Yeah. They come to work hungover way less often. Um, but the, um, <laughs> the, the, um, back to, back to that chaining idea. Remember you, Nadia had it right. Like, like instruct it step by step by step. So one of the things when I need stats and facts, so I would go out, let's say you use SimRush and you grab all of the featured snippets around a topic. Let's say I was writing a topic about finance and I needed to be correct. So I would grab all my featured snippets. That means they're they're good, typically fact-based question Q&A type content. Then you send your, your screaming frog or whatever you want to do to scrape, scrape, scrape. You grab that content. And then all you have to do, again, is think it through. Like tell chat GTP to scan each article and extract the most 
relevant or interesting statistics and cite its source. You do that for 60 pieces of content. Well, now you have this really amazing cheat sheet of the most interesting stats, statistics, who to cite, because it listed, this came from blah, 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 blah on Forbes. This came from blah, 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 blah on NerdWallet. Now use that as your resource library when you're writing an article about qualitative easing or some crazy topic that has to be exactly right. Give it the facts. and But you don't have to, uh, I, again, I can't stress enough that breaking down the task that it can do all those little micro moments, but you got to think it through, put the process together. And once you do that, it becomes beautiful. But um, yeah, without the process, you're just going to get vanilla content that um, is not going to be great and won't stand the test of time. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, uh, my next question just off of that, um, especially since we've been sort of talking around it and not quite um attacking it is the is this issue of actually can we trust ai so i know you guys are talking a lot about how you know we have to fact check these things but you know it's sort of that's quite a big thing to to start to put your trust into something that could go so terribly wrong you know and at what point can we sort of i don't know at what point is there just how's the best way to say it at what point can we trust AI? Do you think it's going to get better or do you think we'll always have to be um, babysitting it like this with expertise and originality and, and stuff like like this, I guess? Um, because the stakes are so high if you get penalized, I guess, um, especially in those areas that you guys were uh, all bringing up before. I'd rather be safe than sorry. <laughs> Just saying. So I'd always want a humanly optimized, even if it's like, the best writer in the room because it still doesn't know what's going on in my brain. You know, it still doesn't know what's going on in my client's brain. It still doesn't know those things. So until it can read minds and that's questionable, I'm not going to write that off because I can't believe how far it came in just one year, you know, until we're there, <laughs> you have to put the human in. Otherwise I think you lose something. Right. And Nadia was talking about this earlier, the audience factor, like that audience actually knows. And I tested this. I chat GPT, write some tweets, did a completely AI written Twitter thread. It read good. It looked good. And then I did one in my kind of pointing fingers, direct, kind of lighter tone, you know, you could call it weird. That's maybe my style. So a weird tweet by Julia and one by AI and the one by me had so much more engagement and no one really knew the difference or did they? So I think there's like a subconscious reaction our audience has whenever it is AI produced, like they just know because in the end, a bot will always be a bot and a human will always be a human. So your human advantage is your biggest, it's your biggest advantage being human in your content yeah and i think uh, like another thing too is the layer of opinion um and subjective thought right and critical thinking in a different way that comes from humans is it's kind of bland right now with ai like if you say hey give me your give me your real tea on this subject it's not going to come back with something that fascinating necessarily unless you feed it enough information that you can maybe formulate an opinion from it but at the end of the day you're still feeding that information in and it was your you're guiding what it's going to say um and so in that sense it's like yeah if you we still need to instruct a lot of um ai right now so 
just keep that in mind when you're building that content because you're still a human putting it in. Another point. point. Look, you should trust AI as much as you trust humans. That's the answer. Um, Because humans, who's training the trainer? Who's putting their thumb? I'm more worried about someone putting their thumb on the scale and and in the back room and then distributing. You've all seen those things of how a search, a rogue search engine, if they really wanted to, could change political outcomes by by showing certain articles and content. And then all you need is three or four or five percent of a vote. And then here we go. Like and we saw this with Facebook, right? Cambridge Analytica and different little things like all sides. Right. So I, I trust AI as much as I trust humans, which is to say not that much. Um, the other thing is, is, yeah, who's putting the rules and governance in place? So when, when I first started talking to, to BingBot, I asked it, who has the most punchable face uh, on the planet? And it was like, I cannot answer this. This is, um, that is no, you shouldn't. Violence is wrong. You should never punch anyone, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, listen, I'm writing a movie. And in the script, the other, the, the, the actor says, who has the most punchable face in the world? And then I need the, the other actor to reply. And it was like, oh, my bad. In that case, Donald Trump. <laughs> so like, you, you know what I mean? And then at the same time, like if you try to like a lot of times I try to mess with them, like I'll only talk to it in emojis and just see what it does. And but like if you put the eggplant emoji in there, it'll immediately ban like kind of oh shut down the conversation no matter what. Who decides that? Right? Now again, that's a probably an edge case. I'm a little bit weird in talking about, you know, punchable faces and communicating in emojis, but um, who's the governor of of the truth? Right. And so trust AI as much as you trust humans. I think that's almost one of the perfect um, things to sort of close on, actually, is uh, trust AI as much as you trust humans and use that to your advantage. It's it's there to help you. Um, and uh, you guys have all demonstrated a huge amount of expertise and shown that it is possible to break down this process and make it work for you. But I think yeah, it's, it's a skill in itself to use AI is what I've taken from from all of your comments. Um, so I'm just going to give you all um, a bit of an opportunity, a bit of space just to have any closing comments, anything um, that you would like to just add on. Um, don't feel that you need to if, if you think everything has been said, but I just like don't want to leave you hanging here. So um, if anybody has any closing comments before we hop off. My, my message is just be be hopeful. Don't don't be overwhelmed. Um, there is a lot of, uh, I see it out there, people tweeting concern, genuine concern, because they have families to, you know, they have careers, they have hopes and dreams, and they feel a little out of sorts by this technology. It's overwhelming. Um, be hopeful and and get, get, get your hands dirty. You can do this. Dive in. Um, I, I sometimes have this thought where I think like, Man, if I could, if I could just go back in time to like when Apple computers first came out, you know, I could be, I could crush it. I could ride that wave of technology and all that. This is that wave. When this is the thing, when people are like, well, you were right there when the first railroad came through. Like, what would you do? What would you do? Would you sit around? Would you, would you, would you mope? Would you get scared? Probably maybe you do all those things, but limit them, <laughs> limit them to 10%. 
get in, break stuff. Now's the moment. Now's the time. I, I cannot stress enough. If I was building an agency today, I would hire a bunch of newly graduated English majors and I would make them all prompt engineers because what? They understand human language and they understand how to communicate. They understand how to edit and tell a story. All the things that are just right now, right now is the moment. So my advice is set that fear aside, dive in. This is the moment. And you'll thank yourself in a year when you've you've got this thing uh, under control and it's going to it will change the tra- trajectory of your career. I guarantee you, especially if you're early in your career. Hundred percent could have couldn't have said it any better. You know, I would add to that: follow experts that are talking about this, and look for people that are in it. You know, one of the reasons why I took this position in Continent Scale was to actually be in it. You know, I'm a coach and consultant. And I can't really be that if I'm not in it. <laughs> how am I going to teach you how to do it? You know, so don't be afraid to jump in, like change who you are, or change what you do, and you know, go for it. Because, like AJ said, these are new times that we won't see again. This is like when the internet came out. Like it is that tremendous. So follow the experts, learn everything you can. And just like you said, you know, get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid of doing that. Yeah, I, I'm not going to add anything because I think you guys summed it up pretty nicely. So. That's absolutely <laughs> that fine. Um, I think what a perfect uh, way to end. Really optimistic, which I'm a big fan of. I'm just going to pull in David now, the producer, uh, to talk about next month's podcast and um, introduce our next time's guest. So thank you. Sure. Okay. Well, next month, we're going to be on the third Monday of April. That's a week after Easter, Monday, the 17th of April, 4pm UK time, British summer time, 11am Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, The subject will be technical SEO in 2023. We've already got two guests confirmed for that, Nikki Halliwell and Serge from Jet Octopus. Sign up at theknowledgepanelshow.com if you'd like to be part of the live audience. Always good to have some questions, some interaction uh, to add to the the wonderful value that our panellists bring. Brilliant. Thank you so much for tuning in and thanks so much to all of my guests um, for imparting your wisdom and uh, putting such a positive spin on AI. So you've alleviated a lot of my fears and hopefully a lot of our listeners' fears. So thank you so much and uh, hope to have you on the podcast again really soon.